Do you travel for a living and struggle to maintain a healthy lifestyle like I do? Or maybe you just struggle to maintain a healthy lifestyle in general. This is the Road to Health podcast and I am Tamar, your host for this adventure. I travel for business often, which presents some challenges in terms of achieving and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Join me on my perfectly imperfect journey as I implement the strategies I've learned from the coaches I work with and interview on my show to lose 40 pounds by June 1st, 2020. I don't always manage to resist the temptations that come from traveling for business, but by working on a few key areas of my mental and physical health, I'm managing to get healthier as I go. No one needs to take this journey alone. So if you struggle to make healthy choices on the road like I do, join me for this ride on the road to health. Well-traveled, well-lived. Hey everyone, what's going on? Tamar here from the Road to Health podcast. I hope you are all staying well. And thank you so much for joining me today. It is a beautiful day out today, although it looks like it might rain a little bit later. That's okay. I love this time of year. I love spring uh, when everything starts to turn green and there's all these beautiful colors. So I plan to get out and go for a walk. And I find that that, you know, just keeps me positive, keeps me healthy as well. And I just really love taking in the beauty of everything blossoming and just looking so beautiful. So hopefully you're getting out and staying active and also being able to stay positive during these times. I know it's been a long stretch. I'm feeling it. I am eager to get back out on the road, but who knows how things are going to go in the future. But you know what? I can only control today and today I'm going to get out get active and just enjoy the beauty that this world has to offer. So weight loss has been such a big part of my journey and just, you know, the struggles with yo-yo dieting, the desires for those quick fixes to do whatever it takes to lose the weight. And, you know, I always uh, linked how I feel to how much I weighed in the past, which Obviously, that had nothing to do with it. I mean, you know, eating more and gaining weight obviously, you know, didn't make me feel great about myself. But, you know, I could have done things that would help me feel better on the inside. And it, it didn't always reflect how I looked on the outside, although that's what I compared it to, right? Um, you know, when I first uh, started my transformation back in 2012, I honestly thought that if I could just lose, you know, the 75 pounds, that I would be a whole new person, right? I would feel confident. And in some aspects, I did. I mean, you know, when you go on this kind of a journey and you start to lose weight, you do feel good about yourself. You start gaining a little bit of confidence. People usually notice, so they they give you they give you compliments. But that, in the end, is not what's going to keep you there, right? Because at a certain point, once you've hit your goal, I mean, it's great people will notice, but after a while, it just becomes the new norm. And if you don't do something to keep improving yourself or to, you know, really work on your mindset and how you feel about yourself and that you are, you know, a love that you love yourself, essentially, um, you can go back into those dark feelings. And I did that. Um, you know, when I lost 75 pounds, I felt great. I was super confident, you know, the ego kind of crept back. But as time went on, my life, you know, can continue to stay great. 
except I got complacent, right? I thought that it was okay to just carry on the way I was and I wasn't really doing anything to keep that positive mindset or to love myself. And so it wasn't until I really switched gears and thought, okay, you know, what can I do to love myself? What can I do to keep that confidence and to not start, you know, kind of falling into those bouts of depressions again? Because it didn't matter how much I weighed. I, you know, have struggled with depression when I was 215 pounds and I struggled with depression when I was 145 pounds. It was, you know, the the work that I did on myself that really helped me kind of get out of those funks and still continues to get me out of those kind of, you know, now they're a lot lighter, but it continues to get me out of those funks today. So yeah, weight loss has been such a challenge for me and just looking back at some of the yo-yo dieting I did and and to the extreme that it went and that I could have died on some of them never thought I would actually die and I didn't recognize at the time that you know some of the extremes I went to could actually kill me but now looking back um, that's certainly something that I faced and it's something that I'm going to talk about over the next few weeks. I'm going to relaunch some uh, new episodes of my story and get into some really detailed um, stuff about addiction and alcoholism in general and of course my weight loss and my yo-yo dieting experiences. So stay tuned for that. Um, but that's not why we're here today. I am really excited for you to hear today's episode. I got to interview my friend Brian Falchuk, who is a best-selling author, a professional speaker, and a life coach. Brian faced many adversities while he was younger. Obesity was one of them at a very young age, and of course, it didn't end there. So in this episode, we get to hear his story and what kind of struggles he faced growing up and then, of course, into adulthood and what he did to change it. You know, he is an amazing guy. He has spoken at TEDx events and has written articles for many major publications. And of course, he's the host of the Do A Day podcast. So make sure after you listen, go and check his podcast out. It's great. He shares inspirational stories and I will actually be on his show coming up, so make sure you stay tuned for that. It was really exciting to speak to him. He's also got a couple great books. One of them is called Do a Day, and the other, The 50-75-100 Solution, Build Better Relationships. So if you're struggling in a relationship, make sure you pick that up as well on Amazon or wherever you purchase books. Anyway, let's get to it. Well, I'm super excited because I'm hanging out with my friend, Brian Falchuk. How's it going today? It's going really well, Tamar. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. So you're the host of the Do A Day podcast. I am. And you have a couple best-selling books, which I'm going to get into soon. Yeah. Um, you know, let's start off. Both of our stories involve weight loss, and it's part of uh, what I focus on with this show Um, I find that my weight loss journey has been a big reason to why I'm doing what I'm doing today to help inspire others. And of course, that goes along with addiction. But you really struggled with weight loss from a very young age. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. And, um, you know, I I think for everyone who goes through a weight loss journey or wishes to go through a weight loss journey or other people tell them they need to, um, it's not really about the weight. You know, for none of us, is it just, we just happen to have eaten too much and now look, there's always a reason why we're doing it. And that's why it's a journey. That's why it's a struggle. That's why we go up and down Uh, and I'm no different. 
So my, my weight loss journey started really young, uh, or my obesity journey, I should say, started really young. Um, I was like four years old when I don't know whether it had already begun. I'm sure it had, but that's when I started to be aware of um, issues at home with my parents and they ended up getting divorced. Um, so kind of from four to five, like things were, I just don't have a lot of happy memories of that time. Um, it was just a lot of like anger and headbutting and kind of everyone not talking to try to avoid conflict. Um, you know, there were four kids and, and my two parents, we had this like big kitchen table and we'd all just sit around it and it was like, nobody talk. Um, just a lot of people to keep quiet, especially yeah. in my family. Cause we're talkers. <laughs> um, so like, you know, that, that went on, I felt really unsettled and then my parents did get divorced, um, sometime around when I was six, I don't know exactly. And I, I guess I could piece it back together and just ask them, but um, you know, somewhere around there. And like, if you see a picture of me from age five to age six, I look like a different kid. And the reason is like in that short year, I, you know, subconsciously, it's not that I was like, oh, you know, I'm feeling upset. Why don't I try to deal with that through eating? Um, so I just started hitting them Oreos, you know, um, whatever it was in the pantry, like Oreos, other cookies, Oreos were my jam. And I would go through like an entire like row of the them. Sleep, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I would get up, I'm always, I've always been a morning person. And I think it was probably formed in my early years where I would sneak down like four or five in the morning to start like hitting the cookies and, and whatever else before anyone would know. And I thought it was so slick. Like I thought I was a little ninja, like no one could hear me and no one would even know that I took like just these two cookies. And then, you know, go back and two more who am I kidding it was four each time like a little kid eating <laughs> yeah. like 16 20 24 cookies I don't even know how many are in a row but like I could down that row pretty quickly and it just went on and so it got to a point where through my parents divorce that sense that things wouldn't be okay just continued to build and I tried to comfort myself through food and you know in the moment food works really well like it's delicious. It's not going anywhere. It makes you feel good until afterward. And then it doesn't. But in that moment, it's really comforting and it's not fighting and it's not yelling and it's not judging you. It's just there to make you feel good. And all the ads are telling you exactly that. So yeah. it becomes this really vicious cycle of eating to fill a, an emotional hole, um, a hole about your safety and your security. A little, a little kid has no other means to fill for themselves. And once you eat to fill that hole, it's like someone opens a trap door and it all falls out because food does not solve emotional pain. It doesn't take care of emotional hunger. So I would eat and eat and eat. And as soon as I was done, it was like, I could go eat again because I'm hungry all over again. Because the reason why I was eating was never satisfied. And that just continued on. And you know, not only did I have all the issues about feeling like things weren't going to be okay, which was the genesis of, of my anxiety issues through my, my entire life, not, you know, just earlier in my life. Um, but you add in all the things tied to being the fat kid. Cause then it was like anxiety about, Oh, are we going to have to run today in gym class? Are we going to do shirts versus skins? Oh. And like, Oh, please let me be on the shirts. And I remember we did boys versus girls and, you know, there's some girls with short hair and so it was like one side had to wear pennies or, you know, like these little yeah. neon. Um, and I was like, we could just do short, um, the girls could just be skins. And now I know like, oh my God, that's incredibly sexually inappropriate. <laughs> 
But as a little kid, the only thing I thought is like, if they go with shirts versus skins and we're the skins, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, it didn't even occur to me that like girls don't just take their shirts off in elementary school. Um, not that boys should be doing that either, but like clearly if there's going to be one side, it's going to be the boys. Yeah. I, like it just was this constant fear. And I remember like going to the beach or a pool or something on a really hot day and I would hold my hands in front of me to guard like my like big boy boobs and stomach and whatever. And I would pretend to be freezing cold. I'd be like shivering, holding my arms up because I was so embarrassed. And that was constant. So it just kept fueling itself. And I got to a point where um, the last time I weighed myself was in eighth grade and I weighed 248. And I continued to get bigger. Um, I think I was probably around 270, somewhere in the 270s. I don't know for certain, um, but that was when I was 17. And one of the things that just like, aside from my pant size and all that, you know, we were talking before about like Tommy Lasorda holding his pants out and weight loss commercials in the 80s, like aside from that kind of stuff, um, I remember going to get sneakers after I had lost weight at one point, like I needed a new pair of shoes and I've been wearing a size 12 and everything I tried was too, way too big until I, like my foot was like swimming in them until I got to a 10 and I'm like, okay, I don't remember my foot having like same width though. That's the weird thing. Like, I don't remember having like fat deposits in front of my toes or something to take up the extra room, but it's weird. It was like, you know, squeezing a sausage. Like my feet were just so just holding as much fat as they could. Cause the rest of my body is pretty full that it was like squeezing out and fit. Like you could press on a size 12 when I was obese and like there was a toe there, but all of a sudden there wasn't. And it's like, even something as wild as that, like that seems like a length issue, but, wow. um, so yeah, I, I lost weight through exercise and diet, um, through the guidance of this amazing guy who remains one of the closest people to me in my life um, who just, he, he runs a PE program. He's one of the soccer and volleyball coaches at the high school I went to. Just an incredible human being. Um, and he gave me the tools to do it. I wasn't ready for the emotional journey. And so I still didn't deal with why I was obese. And, and actually what I did was I just, um, I became bulimic using exercise as my purge. So I was doing, um, I remember the summer before college, I did five hours of cardio a day plus weights. Um, I looked That's good, <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, it was, I had had surgery on my wrist from overuse from lifting the year before. Like I, I really got into weightlifting my senior year in high school and I ended up, um, doing damage to my wrist. So I'd had surgery and I couldn't, I wasn't working then, um, you know, like summer job plans. I was an ice cream scooper and you can't scoop when your hand's in a cast. Um, so I just went to the gym. I had a waterproof cast and I would just like basically sit on a recumbent bike for two and a half hours. I'd go home, I'd shower, I'd sit out in the sun, I'd have lunch and I'd go back to the gym. And then I'd do a mix of like Nordic track, elliptical and recumbent bike. Again, I don't know why I didn't do the regular bike, but whatever. And I, and I wore thermals. Worth this is before people were doing compression shirts and stuff. So I would wear a Helly Hansen thermal shirt and just get totally drunk. Like I had to bring a plastic baggie with me, and it was so heavy from just how sweaty the shirt was to take it back home. Wow. Um, yeah, every day, every day. Um, so that worked really well for weight loss. Totally unsustainable. Um, 
was damaging my body to the point that I had to have operations. Like I've had two wrist operations and 12 others, but two on my wrist from overuse and um, still didn't actually deal with why I was obese. And so sure enough, like a lot of people, I lost a hundred, gained back 50. And if it wasn't for a really strong wake up call, I, I'm sure I'd be well over 300 pounds today, if not more, if well, unless I didn't weigh anything. Because yeah. there's, you know, definitely a chance I was not going to make it if I continued on the path I was on. Well, and I think, you know, you make a good point. I was the same way in my, you know, first round of trying to lose that weight is it was an all in mentality. I thought, yeah. well, you know what, if I'm serious about this, I have to do everything at once. Yeah. And that almost became just as unhealthy as the behaviors I was doing before, because I would do the gym six to seven days a week, like you yeah. said, yeah. and I would, you know, try and find what was going to be the quickest and easiest way to lose weight. And I was so rigid that I, my, my mind was just being consumed with this stuff. Yeah. And so part of my journey, I've had to change my mindset and how I think about my body and my health. So what was that moment in your life when you knew that you had to actually change your mindset? Yeah. Um, it was something that was thrust upon me. So in the summer of 2011, I was 32. Um, I was a father of a two-year-old and I was married to, you know, this woman who was like, everything I ever wanted, incredible person, amazing mother, and suddenly became so severely sick. She wasn't expected to make it through the summer and actually got that call from her doctor um, where he's just like, you know, they didn't know what was going on. They were content to just blame her. It was always like, oh, aren't you just upset? You seem depressed. I said, just that you're depressed. It's like, well, how would you feel? Um, she had wasted away to about a hundred pounds. She was bedridden. She was in constant pain. And each day, like I can't even understand how this is possible. Each day was worse than the day before. And yet each day seemed so bad. You couldn't understand how there was another bottom to go to. It's like, you just keep getting into sub basement levels and you're like, how, what are we going to the core of the earth? It just keeps getting lower. Um, so I got that call from her doctor. He's like, yeah, you know, tried everything. She's seen all these specialists really don't know what's going on. I don't think there's anything more that we can do and I'm going on vacation. So I'll check back with you in six weeks. And I was like, doctor, she's losing two pounds a day. She weighs, I think it was like 104 at that point or 102, something like that. I'm like, she can't get out of bed. Like I have to help her to the bathroom to like sit up. Like she's not going to be here in six weeks. And he's just like, oh, okay, we'll take her to the ER if you need to. And he hung up and I had to walk back into our bedroom. And my son is there looking at his mother, basically watching her die. And when he turned and looked at me, like, I was done. That was it. That was the moment where all of the excuses for, you know, all these years of why I can't deal with my anxiety, which is at the root of all of it enough. Like, you know, it's like you said about the weight loss for so many years I had tried and I'd have these pep talks with myself and anyone who's listening to battles with, with your weight, you know, like you get up in the morning, like, I can't do this anymore. Like I hurt, I'm unhappy. I'm, you know, my life's in jeopardy, my kids, like whatever your why is, it's like, today's going to be, I'm not going to eat that stuff. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And by 10 o'clock it's gone. Yeah. And part of the reason it may be earlier, maybe later, but part of the reason is because it's too much. Like the number of times I had that talk and then it's like, you think about it, like, I have to lose a hundred pounds. So like, if I don't have the second bagels with like half a tub of cream cheese on it, 
that's not going to make a difference. What am I going to do? Even if I do the five hours at the gym, like, so I'm going to have 99 pounds to lose. I can't do this. And, um, it's crushing. And I was like that with dealing with my anxiety. Anytime it was like, you need to, my wife was really trying to get me to see someone because she knew I struggled with it. And it was like, how am I going to do that? Like if so many responsibilities and I had this big job and I couldn't just like leave in the middle of the day and go talk to someone. And now you're sick. And so like I'm needed at home, so I can't go at night. And you know, we've got all these medical bills now. Like I can't add to that with my own, like what are we supposed to, and then we have to get childcare. Like what am I, I can't do this. And I was thinking of it really similarly to the weight loss. It's like, I can't, how am I going to make a hundred appointments work or 90 or whatever it is? Like, I don't have time. And then it all hit me in that moment when I realized how I was failing her and failing him and myself. Like, this isn't how I want to live. And why do I think I need to make every appointment for the rest of my life work right now? I wasn't losing a hundred pounds that one day. I just had to make smarter decisions in that day to get me down that road. And I did it. So why can't I do this? So enough with the excuses. I just have to make one appointment work. Like we can figure that out. My sister lived nearby. Like if we had to ask her to come by for an hour, like we'll make it work. One appointment is all I need to do. And if that goes well, then I will look at making one appointment work again, not 20 or whatever. And so it's like, okay, I, I have to do something about this because it's impacting how I am standing by my wife. Like I was doing everything for her, the cooking, cleaning, the, you know, staying up with her through the night. But emotionally, I couldn't do what she really needed. It's just like, can you just quietly sit with me? Let me know that it's going to be okay. And in my mind, it's like, I always think the sky is falling and now it really is. Like we're not starting a family. This is the end of our family. You know, like you don't usually find 32 year olds looking at becoming a widower or a widow. It's not, it's not what anyone thinks about going into it. Um, and so I was very reactive and very like just spiraling with my own pressures and, and sense of doom and gloom. All the things I had felt my whole life, this was, this was the time they were really coming true. Um, you know, all the times it's like, oh, I can't, you know, if I'm, I screwed something up at work and my career is over and it's like, oh, okay, I survived that. Like you get over it. This is like, okay, now the doctors are even telling me it's not just my fear that like, look, there's nothing else we can do. Um, and then for my son, it's like, you know, I felt like things were going to be okay. My parents were alive at least. And he's like watching this happen to his mother. He's so young. Like he doesn't understand. It's just like mommy's here with you one minute and now she can't get out of bed. And suddenly daddy, who's usually at work, is here all the time. And he's angry and reactive and like you want him to read to you. And he's like, I can't read to you right now. I have to go do this or do that or, you know, make the food or um, how's that serving him? And ultimately, like, that's not what I want. I don't want to live this way. And I fought that piece of it really hard because I justified living that way because look where it got me. Yeah. Like I survived all those moments when I was so sure everything was over. Um, so I felt like my anxiety was a strength. That was like, and a lot of us feel this. It's like that fear, that anxiety, that's the warning sign that kicks you into action to protect yourself. And it comes from a good place. Your mind is trying to save you. So have some compassion for that. The problem is the mind doesn't think rationally about these things. And so it perceives threats that are not as threatening as they seem to be. Yeah. And it stops your rational brain from jumping in 
and problem solving and finding the right path so that those things you're so certain are going to happen maybe never happen because you make smarter decisions in this moment to protect yourself from that. And that's the mindset that became really clear to me then. So I, I set it on the anxiety. I set it on my weight. So I'm like, look, I spent the first half of my life obese and the second half I've been afraid and fighting becoming obese again. And every time, I mean, you know this feeling, like you don't go to the gym that day for whatever reason. And you're like, oh my God, what's the scale going to say? What's going to happen yeah. to me? This is it. I'm getting fat again. Yeah. Or maybe you have moments where like we talked about when you, know, you had relaxed a bit. And so you started to trend back up in your weight. I did the same thing. That's why I was 50 pounds heavier. I was still working out, but it was like this mindless, like get on the elliptical, move a bit, read a magazine and like, oh, it's beeping. I'm done. Yeah. And like, oh, I don't even need to shower. Like I will, but I don't have to because I'm not even sweating. Yeah. Um, that creates such fear. And I just can't live that way anymore. And like, if my son's only left with me, not only do I need to be a better person and, and father emotionally, I want to be a better role model to him physically. Because mm -hmm. I don't want him to be like, oh, mom died and dad does these things. And apparently it's okay to, you know, be unhealthy. Um, and I should say, I just said mom died. His, my wife's still alive. Um, she did get through this. And sometimes I keep going with the story and I don't come back and mention that. And people are like, what happened? Um, yeah, she is still alive. She saved her own life. I did not save her life. The doctors did not save her life. I stood by her better than I had been. But ultimately, that was for her to do. And, and she has her own health journey behind that. Um, and the last thing was I had issues at work. Awesome job. The founder had passed away. Um, and the new leaders were great, but just a lot more political. And that's not me. And I could feel it coming. And I didn't feel good about that. So I need to start planting some seeds to eventually be able to move somewhere else. So that was right. the third piece of the puzzle. Um, so yeah, it was 222, July 1st, 2011. I think it was 19.5% body fat. I have it written down and I usually know this number, but it's now it's irrelevant to me. So I've stopped remembering it, but yeah. something like that. And I was 32 years old. Um, I set a goal for the end of the year to get down to 185, which I thought was the right weight for me. And I would stay there. So July 1st to December 31st. And I'm like, I'm going to do this really purposefully. And I'm not going to think about the total weight that I have to lose. I'm going to think about what I need to do each day. So I plotted the days. I'm like, this is the set of exercises I'm going to do. And I had all those tools from my high school experience. I'm, like, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to write it down, keep myself accountable. I'm going to track my weight every day and I will do this. And what I found is the purpose that I felt about serving my family and standing by my son and the inklings of standing by myself combined with this really clear focus on what do I need to achieve in this moment. And it doesn't matter whether I lost weight and gained it back. It doesn't matter whether that risk is there. It doesn't matter whether I did really well yesterday working out. And so I can take a day off. It doesn't matter how many more days I have to do or don't have to do because none of those things is happening. Yeah. And that's where this notion that became my first book and is, is what my podcast is about of do a day came to be is like, if you free yourself from yesterday and tomorrow, you achieve so much more in this moment. And the sum total of these like moments of success becomes this life that is what you wish you had. And that's how you start achieving everything. And it's things um, you never even thought, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but like you never even thought were possible, but it's true. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I, I didn't hit my weight goal on December 31st. I hit it in October. So like that clarity, that purpose. And by December, I was 180. And I've essentially been 180 since then. There's times I'm like 183. Right now I'm 176. I've been as low as 169 while I'm marathon training. And you're like, it sounds like you weigh yourself a lot. You're still obsessing <laughs> about your weight. Interestingly, I, I do weigh myself every day. I wouldn't say I obsess about it, but it's for completely the opposite reason. When you're obese, you weigh yourself with fear. Like you're expecting a higher number and it bothers you and it sits with you all day or you're in denial of it. I weigh myself because actually I'm so in control of how I live my life in a good way that I do need to be a little bit mindful of whether I'm too caught up in the success of things. And, um, you know, I, I had a great workout this morning before we did this recording and like I burned more calories than I probably would have on an average day. Mm -hmm. So I weigh myself to know, like, do I need to eat a little bit more, which is a wild thing to say. Yeah. Um, and I'm vegan and, um, that's a change I made a few years ago. And that since doing that, like, I really don't need to think about what I eat or, you know, whether I'm going to gain weight or not, because it's really easy to control your weight when you eat a whole food plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. um, the problem becomes getting enough calories. So that's why I weigh myself is just to, and like right now, I actually wish I had a couple more pounds on me um, just for resilience with everything going on right now in case yeah. there's any struggles to get food. So I'm, I'm staying on top of it. Um, I had gotten down to 174 point something the other day. And so I'm back up a couple pounds and I'll probably get myself to 178. But yeah, it's, it's weird weighing yourself to see if you've lost too much weight. Who, th who thinks of that problem, right? Yeah. I'm doing the same thing right now because for me before I used to weigh myself every day because it was a control issue. It yeah. was, okay, let's stand on the scale today and see if I can feel good about myself. And then when I didn't and it went up, I'm instead of going, okay, maybe I'm retaining water. Or did I take in too much sodium right, Totally yesterday. rational reasons why yeah, a pound might move. Exactly. And then that would almost be a, you know, excuse to be like, well, you know what? I messed up this week. I'm just going to binge all weekend. Yeah. And it, it was an over and over. And today I do weigh myself every day. And for example, I was up yesterday, but I'm okay with that because I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, I log all my food too, because I'm interested in what I'm getting into my body yeah. and how it's making me feel. And it, I no longer feel like you said that it's controlling me. It's mm. not something that I didn't care that I went up a pound. I was like, oh, interesting. Cause the inches are going down and yeah. more of the measurables that I want to measure are, are doing exactly what I'd like them to do. The weight is just a secondary. How is my body reacting to what I'm eating? Yeah. Yeah. You know, completely. Yeah. I mean, food and weight are inputs into your life. They're not the definitions of it in a way that they can be for so many of us who struggle with these things. Mm -hmm. um, it is really like, I don't think of myself as trying not to be fat anymore, Yeah, which is really freeing. <laughs> I mean, it sounds silly, but like for those of us who've been there, we get it. Yep. Um, yeah, it's just a totally different way to live. And I do, I remember like the first time I told someone, they're like, what do you do for exercise? And I just go, oh, I'm a runner. And I like, I almost like gasped. I was, I was in my basement and I, I was on the phone with them and I looked side to side, like someone just saw me say that, oh God, they're going to out me. Like, I'm, how could I have said that about myself? But I did. And I'm yeah. like, oh, 
okay, the world didn't end. No one called me out. Like <laughs> I run, um, not very much right now, but like generally I run, I've got a knee injury again. Um, but yeah, I run. So isn't that what a runner is? Someone who runs? That seems logical. Like, what, yeah. You lift weights, like you're a weightlifter, you ride a bike, you're a cyclist or a bike rider. Like why, why do we feel uncomfortable saying something so simple? Because for so many years, no, you're fat. You're not a runner. And by the way, you can be overweight and a runner. It's actually possible and it's okay. It sure is. Um, you can be skinny and sedentary. Like weight is not who you are. Yeah. And neither is your action. It's the sum total of everything that's your life. And it's your choice whether you fixate on any one piece of that and allow that piece to have control over you versus you controlling your life with these inputs into it. Mm -hmm. And it's funny you say about, you know, defining yourself as a runner. I, I, I was just thinking for me, I would define myself as, oh, I lift weights. But, mm -hmm. you know, a few months later, after that obsession was gone or I just decided to give up because I didn't think I was good enough to do this for myself, I didn't want people to go, oh, well, she said she was a weightlifter and look at she failed. She gave up. Right? Yeah. So it's like if I actually put it out there and tell people this is who I am, this is what I do, yeah. I was afraid to fail at that basically. Yeah. And now my belief system has totally switched. It's like, you know what, I'm going to try this out see if it works for me. If it doesn't, oh, well, you know what? That didn't work for me. I didn't enjoy doing it. So now I'm going to try this. And I'm not yeah. just stuck to one thing and afraid to tell people, you know, uh, it didn't work for me. And I think that's right. part of my journey. And part of my show is teaching people to play around with the foods they eat, play around with the styles of nutrition, right? Because yeah. I'm not a nutritionist, but I was so hung up and opinionated about specific ways of eating. Yeah. It's like, nope, this is the way. This is how it is for everybody. And I finally woken up and thought, no, it's not because yeah. I haven't had sugar in eight weeks, which is an absolute miracle for me. That's awesome. Right? So I cut sugar out of my life and lo and behold, I don't crave it anymore. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know what? You have the Do A Day podcast and you briefly mentioned it, but I love how you share people's stories yeah. um you know what inspired you to start that i know it was partially what happened with your wife and and but yeah how did you get started so i put out my book actually as we're recording this I, I let this go without even thinking about the timing but do a day just turned three um so it was i released it like the last couple of days of march of 2017 and when i put out the book like do a day is my story it's what i was just sharing with you guys and obviously there's a lot more to it um, it's my story that led to this philosophy that I call do a day. What is that? How do you bring that into your life and how do you apply it? When I put it out, I'm like, okay, this will be, you know, the book will have some activity for a few months and then that's that. I didn't, you know, I didn't really know how it would go. I was like, but that's my story. And my story resonates with some people. Hopefully it's enjoyed by everyone to hear it, but like, it's not going to resonate with everybody because that's not, my life is not what you've gone through. And for some of us, we really do need a close connection. I know my story resonates with the weight loss community really well. And there's other pieces of my story that will relate to other communities as well, but it's not going to relate to everybody. And everyone who's struggling isn't going to hear what I have to say and be like, that's what I needed. That inspired me. I can look within myself and see it. Now, I, I've seen that it applies really broadly, but sometimes 
you do just need to hear from someone who's been through what you've, you're going through for you to see like, oh, there is a way they get it. It's not just some, you know, some inspirational speaker who's like by my course and I'll tell you how you can change your life. It's like, they're me, you know, they've lived it firsthand and that's really powerful. Um, I haven't lived everything. And so my intention was, is I'm going to put the book out there. And in the back, there was this, like, if you have a story, go to this webpage, tell me your story because do a day two or what, you know, would have a better title, but tomorrow, I don't know, whatever it would be called was going to be other people's stories. Mm -hmm. And I even had a thought, it's like, what if we made like, um, you know, one of these, I forget the name of um, extreme makeover, like body edition or whatever they can, like where they like live with you for a year and you go through the weight loss journey. Like what if we had a show that followed people through the application of do a day and like turn their life around. So I started to think like long-term where could all this go? Um, the, in a good way, um, those plans got thrown out because do a day didn't die off in a couple of months. Um, it ended up like taking a lot of my time for, a good couple of years before it started to quiet down a bit, which is awesome. Like I'm extremely thankful for that, but it also meant I didn't have time for big projects like that. And I still had a day job. So, um, but I did start to get connected to people. Um, you know, I started to meet some really inspirational people. I listened to different podcasts and had people who inspired me. So I started to reach out to them and someone, the radio producer called me about, um, starting a show and it was, I mean, was kind of a BS sales pitch. Like I only had to pay like $12,000 to start the show. And then I, you know, but if I get advertisers and then I'll make all that money. But, and I was like, this is totally a sales scam. You're not actually asking me to host this show that your station is producing. This is like, it's a joke. Um, so I was like, why am I waiting for Like I could put out a podcast. I used to do a video podcast around fitness and stuff like why can't I do this why can't I just interview people and so I was like instead of putting out the book or maybe I'll still do that one day like why don't I just have a show where people come on and tell me their story and there's lots of great shows like that I love them like why can't I do that but I need to curate the stories so that they really do resonate Um, and that's been the hardest part of it I've had amazing guests who have been through stuff They've learned something in the process and in telling their story, a listener who's going through something similar, hopefully will hear that, hear that inspiration, that guidance and be like, this is what I can take into my life. There are a lot of amazing people out there with great advice whose advice doesn't come from their direct experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel really bad with some of the great people that I know that have those wonderful messages, but there's no Genesis story for it. I've gotten a lot better at saying no. There are a couple of people I've had on that don't necessarily have that backstory, but their advice is great. But I'm trying really religiously now to stick to, I just had to do this yesterday with someone who I love dearly. Her message is incredible, but it's just, she's just brilliant and came up with it and observed, but she hasn't lived it. And the point is not for that guest. The point is for the listener. And for a lot of us who are in that stuck place, you have to hear from someone who's lived it. Mm-hmm. Or it just won't bring you out in the same way. Um, so that is that is what my show is meant to be, is this person has lived through what they're talking about. And that's why they know that this advice can work. It doesn't mean it works for everyone, but it worked for them and it works for others around them. And that brings hope that just hearing great advice may not. 
Um, so that's the do a day podcast. It's an interview show. I do a, a few episodes usually to close out a season. Um, that's just me kind of recapping, but, um, I have recorded about 120 episodes now. We just released episode 95 as, as you and I are recording this. Um, so coming up on a hundred nice. and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. I mean, you know, like you get to connect with just the most incredible people and I come yeah. always so inspired by it. Like you yeah. recorded your episode the other day. I'm very excited for that. I know that was very exciting. And I think, you know, sharing your story, it was something that I was always ashamed of. And, you know, I, I sometimes would think, well, I don't have that, that big of a story, but until you actually share it and you're yeah. open and vulnerable with people, you don't know what kind of an impact that's going to have on others, you know? So yeah. I'm trying to as well, you know, interview guests that have that story and make them realize, Hey, you could actually help a lot of people if you share your story, because there's certain aspects of my story that a lot of people can't relate to, like you said, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, what does a typical day for you look like? Because I mean, you've, you're probably a very busy guy. Yeah. And right now, you know, I don't know what typical means anymore, <laughs> yeah. but um, I, I'm still an early riser. Um, I know you get that. I've been trying to sleep in lately because I'm, I'm run pretty ragged at the moment. Um, so like sleep in is five thirty to six for me. Um, but that's throwing off my morning, but because I don't have to rush to get my son to school or get, get into an office or anything, like I'm taking the extra half an hour and it's, it's been, it's been needed. Um, I get up, um, I meditate, I exercise, do the, the breakfast thing with, with my son. Um, I've been trying to let my wife sleep in. Um, so we sort of have dad's son time, except he's like listening to music or reading or whatever or eating so he's he's mentally somewhere else but um yeah. i try to not engage with work in the morning which is hard because my work is my mind mm -hmm. and so i have thoughts and i'm not good at parking those thoughts if i have something really exciting that hits me like i woke up at four the other morning and just suddenly something hit me so i got up at four um, which wasn't great because I was on a podcast at nine that night, which is already late for me given, you know, you wake up early, you get to get to bed early. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that, that's the start of my day. And then the rest of the day, it's really varied lately. So I'll probably interview or give an interview at least once a day. Um, I'm writing my next book, which I've been working really intensely on because it has to go to the editor next week. Um, it's a business book. It's different. It's self-help, but the company is, it, the selves are companies, mm -hmm. if you will. So it's still, maybe it still sort of connects, but um, it's, a, I'm, I'm really excited about it, but it's a very different kind of thing than what I've done before. It's how to help insurance companies innovate. I'm, I'm an insurance guy by background. Yeah. So it's self-help for insurers, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, tr I try to take the fact that we're all home to pop up. I, I work in the basement. So like pop up throughout the day and just re-engage to like grab lunch with the family. Um, we might step outside and just throw a baseball around. Um, yeah. And I might, I generally do get some second workout in because I have that luxury right now. Uh, maybe it's 10 minutes on the treadmill, anything longer than that emotionally starts to be like, Oh, um, I did train for marathon partially on the treadmill, so I can do it, but I just don't want to. Yeah. Um, or I have my bike set up in the garage on a trainer um, with like a this thing called Zwift. So I've got like a virtual setup with it. So I might do that. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to go with 
the things that I care about that are on my mind that will develop what I'm trying to do further, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm so busy because I get a lot of, of ideas, a lot of people I'm connected with that I want to stay connected with. And there isn't an explicit structure in place for me to say yes or no to things like a day job might create. I'm a public speaker and an author and coach. And so like a lot of what I do is responsive to what's going on versus like, oh, we're building this widget. So I know like you want to talk about this thing over here. Sorry, that's not what we do. So it's very easy for me to say yay or nay to anything that comes up. Um, it's different. You know, it's, it's different. And this is new for me. I've, I've only been fully doing this since January 1st. Um, so I've always had the excuse of the day job to be like, oh, I can't because... Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm figuring all that out, but I am enjoying it. I don't know how any of it's going to work out. And the stay at home orders have really changed things for me. I had a lot of speaking engagements lined up, which is how I support my family and that's gone. Um, so yeah, just trying to figure a number of things out. Um, yeah, so it's hard to give you a pinpoint example of what a day looks like, but it always starts the same. And that's very clear to me. Yeah. And I think doing those things every day that will get you somewhere tomorrow is so important. And it's, yeah. I mean, I struggle, I travel a lot for a living. And right before this, I think I was gone five out of seven weeks. Yeah. And so I was just adapting to that. I was, you know, developing that better lifestyle on the road. I wasn't, you know, I was very selective. You know, we talked about it on your yeah. show, how I plan my trips. And so I was really rolling with that and I felt good. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now you're going to work from home. And I found actually, though, developing those habits on the road have helped me so much be at home. But I've been given this gift of time where once I'm done my day job, because I still have my day job, and that's it helps my podcast, obviously, because I'm learning how to you know optimize my time on the road. But coming home has been a good adjustment other than the you know desire to socialize face to face rather than yeah. zoom i think we're very we're very fortunate that we have the technology we do today yeah um but you know you must travel a lot when we're not stuck at home yeah so what would you say um you know for my listeners what would be kind of the three or four key points to help keep that positive mindset or really develop a healthy lifestyle what yeah. are you know a few things you would recommend yeah. Well, so I wrote, I wrote a piece for um, a couple of different publications on this theme. Um, so I should have these, and it was three points and I should have these like front and center on the top of my mind, but actually, um, A, I don't remember them explicitly. I know what they're about, so I can talk about them, but B, I think actually you've hit that really well in your message. So I don't, it, a lot of it is about like, how do you pick the right hotel and what do you do about food? And, you know, how do you get workouts in when you've got limited space in your, um, you know, your carry on bags, you're trying not to check that bag or, you know, wh- whatever the constraints are. But I do think a lot of it comes down to mindfulness because especially when you're on the road, it's so easily, it's easy to make mindless, indulgent choices constantly. Um, and I'm not even going to go into conference season because we hit on that when I had you on. And that is really hard because the hours are rough. Standing all day is rough and you'll find yourself a lot more tired than you would have been otherwise. Mm -hmm. So that getting up early to go to the gym when there's 12,000 people literally staying at your hotel, um, for this, the hotel I I was last at for a conference in Vegas is a teeny gym. There's like four treadmills and two bikes. 
um, it's the largest hotel in Vegas. And there was a line to get in. They don't open the gym until like 6.30. And the conference floor opened at 7. And I was I was the lead person manning our booth. So like, how does that happen? Yeah. I was planning to run, but my I ended up tearing my meniscus. So I wasn't going to run. But like, that's how I was going to get around it. And that was shot. So what do you do, right? There are countless mindless indulgent choices around us constantly when we travel. And, you know, any airport, there's food carts all over the place. There's Dunkin' Donuts and whatever else, just everywhere. It's really easy. You know what? There's actually great choices too. You just have to look for them. And luckily, they're not as hard to find as they used to be. But, you know, I, I was in sales for the past year and traveled to a lot of random places all over the US, places that are not known for their strong vegan and like mindfulness communities. Um, and somehow I survived and made good choices and was able to not only follow the dietary decisions that I've made for myself, but feel, feel well, um, with a very tough lifestyle, like constant travel is There's nothing like sitting there on a plane for like five hours to make you feel worn out. You're like, I just sat here. Why am I tired? (laughs) Yeah. But the choices we make actually add up. There's water everywhere. Yes, there's soda too, but there's water everywhere. So choose water. I don't drink anything but water or coffee or tea. That's it. Um, And that's been that way since 2013. I haven't had a drop of alcohol or soda or anything else since then. Um, Every now and then I have juice, but very, very rarely, I will say. Mostly water. Because I'd rather just eat the fruit. Um, It's a smarter choice all around. Um, But yeah, fruit's the other thing. Is like... They sell bananas at almost every Dunkin' Donuts location. A lot of people don't know that. And Dunkin's pretty pretty widely available, especially in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, Starbucks sells fruit. The line at Starbucks tends to be crazy long, but like there's fruit wherever you go um, or you can get nuts. Like just the, the most plain style you can get. Don't get the like sugar-coated ones. There are lots of things you can do to protect yourself. Just make a slightly better choice and you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have time to kill, I'll just walk through the terminals. But I am really selective about what hotel do I stay at. And yes, I'm definitely about my loyalty programs and that matters to me. Yeah. But the ones that I choose, I will make a decision around, okay, that gym, I'm not going to be able to use the equipment there or I'm going to be concerned about the amount of equipment. Um, and I'll look at the food situation. I've been to a few places where there really is nothing, nowhere I can go and eat. Um, and there's a supermarket. And so I happen to stay at a hotel that has like a little kitchenette. And so I just like, I went to the supermarket and got a couple of things. Fine. You know, I got a, uh, Amy's frozen burrito. I'm like, that's good. It's vegan. I know the quality of the ingredients. I've eaten them other times. I will take care of myself versus that little store they have next to check-in where it's like chips and beer and ice cream and frozen food. And like, yeah, it's lean cuisine or something, but like still not the right kind of choice for me. Um, so I just make a point of being aware. And if you find yourself mindlessly like, yeah, I'll get a donut. Yeah, I'll get a Danish. Yeah, I'll get the sausage and egg and like those free breakfasts that a lot of hotels have. Most of it's junk. Yeah. So just go over to like where the fruit is, um, get some oatmeal and don't put syrup and other, like put some cinnamon in it, but don't put sugar in it too. Or throw a little, they get the little like peanut butter 
containers, like scoop out the peanut butter, put that in your oatmeal. There's ways to do it smart, but you just, it's a choice. So just be willing to make that investment in yourself. And what you find is once you start doing it, you're better all around. Like if you come home from being on the, the road all week and you don't feel miserable, now if your job stinks, that could be part of it. But like physically, isn't that nice? You know, and when I get into those arguments with people and they're like, if I can't eat chocolate cake, then I don't want to live. It's like, that's really sad. Yeah. But think about how you feel all the time. Like, yeah. do you really want to feel the way you feel? You, do, you have an army of pills that you go to war with every day. Like, is that really what you want? If it is, that's okay. These are your choices. But if it's not, there are really easy things you can do that you're making sound harder than they are. Like drinking water is not hard. No, not at all. Like you're making it into something. It's actually really easy. Or just have your coffee without heavy cream and three things of sugar in it. Yeah. Down to two for now. And you'll find you crave the three less than you used to. And then cut down to one and cut down to half. You can do this. Um, It's really easy to make smarter choices when your brain is awake. Yeah, I agree. Sleep is a big thing for me too. And since I've been focusing on that and getting the sugar out of my diet... Um, for, uh, February was a super grueling month for me yeah. and I came home after my last business trip and I felt really great. I woke up Saturday morning and I was like, huh, how about that? You know, yeah. and it, it was just knowing that I was important enough to do this and not, that's the key phrase. You know? yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm worth it. And yeah. I tell people that all the time. It's like, you have to want to do this for yourself. Your why yeah has to be bigger than that piece of chocolate cake or those cookies. Cause I mean, I can eat one cookie. I'll have 12, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I can eat one cookie 12 times. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I only had one cookie, you know, this 10 minutes, but um, how can people get a hold of you if they want to know more? Yeah. So they can go to brianfelchuk.com. It's B-R-Y-A-N-F-A-L-C-H-U-K.com. And everything's there. I'm all over social media the same app, Brian Falchuk, so pretty easy to find. Um, and all my articles, books, the podcast, um, all that kind of stuff is all at brianfalchuk.com. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for having me on tomorrow. I feel like I rambled a ton, but it's because like it, this stuff matters and you're hitting on where I come from. So like it, it's just going to come out. So I hope people took something from it. I'm sure they did. Thanks again. Thank you. I will make sure to post all of the links in the show notes so you can get a hold of Brian. You can purchase his books and learn more. Um, I really enjoyed that interview. Brian, like I said, is such an authentic guy. I love his story and I love how he likes to bring other people onto his show as well to inspire others to make the changes that a lot of people seek but they don't know how. So, you know, if you're struggling right now and you don't know where to start or what goals you want to achieve and, you know, you're just kind of all over the place and struggling, you can head on over to my website, www.theroadtohealth.me and book a 30-minute call. Let's chat. It's absolutely free and there's no obligation, but I would love to chat and let's see if maybe there's something I can do for you or some tools I can provide. I also have a course that I just launched, so I will be making that public eventually, but for right now, if you want some more information about that, you can head on over to my Facebook group, which is the Road to Health Podcast, and there's a link 
Or of course, you can email me and I'd be happy to send you some information. But I hope that everyone is staying healthy. I hope everybody's staying positive. And if you have a story that you want to share and you want to be on my show, make sure you hit me up for that as well. You can find all that information on the website. And until next time, guys, stay safe. That wraps up another episode of the Road to Health podcast, where my goal is to provide you with content that not only inspires you, but also provides information and strategies that you can use to implement in your own journey. I know from experience, it can be super hard to make healthy lifestyle changes that actually stick. I've worked with people to help them define their goals and identify the roadblocks that stop them from achieving them. If you would like to take advantage of a free 30-minute call to figure out how to achieve your goals, visit my website today at www.theroadtohealth.me. When you're there, make sure you download the latest copy of my five tips to staying positive while working from home. And until next time, be safe and healthy.